Welcome to The Prism Effect, a podcast with me, Larry Knoll, lead pastor of The Light in Kent. Just as prisms break light up into its spectral colors, I hope to help you discover the scripture's meaning for your life. We are at The Light in Kent, Kent, Ohio, and I uh, want to welcome you. My name's Larry Knoll. I'm the pastor here, and... Um, we're just coming off of summer, coming into the new school year at Kent State University, getting to meet some of the new students as they're coming in, and we just welcome everybody, though. This is a place of love, just a fact. You will feel loved here or else, okay? Or I will smack people. No, I'm just kidding. But no, you will feel loved here. I've heard that over and over again, that you know they feel the presence of God, they feel acceptance here and love, and we're so glad for that. That's just because you've got some great people here. Amen, everybody here? All right. You know, when I first started this church 10 years ago, approximately, I didn't want to say certain things because we had a lot of people coming in off the streets when we were up on North Water Street. And we had people coming in that I wasn't sure what their church experience, what their spiritual experience was. So I shied away from some words. And I, you know, have you ever heard of the sinner's prayer? You know, it comes in various forms at the end of a service. You go, you know, dear Lord, dear Lord. Thank you. Thank you. You know, and you do that repeat thing. All right. So I didn't want to call it the sinner's prayer. I thought it would offend people. So I called it the Jesus prayer. That's why we called it the Jesus prayer, because we're praying to Jesus. Okay. So I was like, you know, if I say that, some people are thinking I'm going to I'm calling him a sinner. Okay. So I was just trying to, you know, figure things out here. Now, whether that was right or wrong, and whether you like that or don't, that's okay. We're in a place where we are allowed to disagree, okay? But I don't know if it ever bothers you that you're told that you are a sinful human. Does that ever bother? Does that just get under your skin a little bit, that I'm a sinful human? That you're a sinner, just flat out a sinner, okay? That all have sinned, right? The Bible says everybody sinned. And that here's another part that I think bugs people. None of your good efforts, meaning the things you do to lead this really good life thing, you know, to do good things. None of that can get rid of sin. None of that can deter sin. You're just going to come back to doing sinful things. It doesn't, you know, remove sin from your life. Here's another fact that bothers people is to say that we were born sinners. Okay, so I got news for you, Gaga. You were born that so this way, all right? You were born with sin, the Bible says, and you have to be forgiven. So I kind of changed my tune over the years, you know, and it didn't bother me to call people dirty, rotten sinners because I are one, okay? And I could say, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're a sinner. Sounds like a pop, sounds like a song for a soda commercial, you know, Dr. Pepper. But why am I a sinner? Why are we sinners? Why do we need to be forgiven? So I'm going to spend four weeks, actually three, and then we'll wrap it up with redemption. Because I don't want to just depress you for three weeks and not help you at the end of that. But we're going to talk about forgiveness. And I really want to thank a former pastor and friend of mine from Sylvania, Ohio. He's actually in Maumee now. He pastors the church in Strayer. His name is Tony Scott. 
got to work with him for a short while as one of his uh, pastors on staff there. And this is a great teaching that he did, and I'm borrowing his outline. Why am I a sinner, though? What makes me a sinner? Who said I'm a sinner? And why do I need to be forgiven? See, this is the thing. This is not an easy question to answer, especially when it comes from a really good person. Okay, really good person. Do you know any good people that are just like good people? And they may not be Christians. They're just nice, good people. They wouldn't hurt a flea. You know? Their dog has fleas. They take them off one by one. They put them in bottles, release them out in the woods. But they wouldn't hurt anything, okay? They won't swat a fly. They won't do anything to hurt anybody. They're just wonderful people, good-hearted people with great intentions. It's hard to look at that person and say, you're a sinner. And nobody wants to think of themselves as a sinner, I'm going to tell you. I really don't. Because with that comes, you know, some terrible thoughts. I think for the most part, most of us want to be kind and nice and we try to be loving, don't we? I mean, I don't I don't think any of us are like the Grinch who just get their jollies out of being nasty to people. I don't think any of us do. I think we all kind of want people to like us. We want to do nice things for people. Just I don't know. It just seems to be the way to do it. But then there's stupid people that make us angry and then we act, you know, I know you were thinking that, right? I'm not saying that's a fact. I'm just saying I know what you're thinking. I could be nice if it wasn't for the idiots in my life. Right? I mean, after all, we're not serial killers. We're not bank robbers. We're not child molesters. We're not even shady politicians. Right? We're coming to that season, so let's, let's go there. So it seems unfair to call somebody a sinner who's a nice guy. Especially... When you also seem to be saying that they were born that way, that you didn't even stand a chance. This is the way you were born. You were born a sinner. That's not how nice you are or how bad you are. It's that you are. You just are. So you can look at somebody next to you right now and say, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Don't do that. But I'm just, you know, might get punched today. Here's a fact. Every one of us has done some wrong things, no matter how small that we think they are. And we've done a lot. Most of us have done things up here. Jesus dealt with that when he said, if you just think it, it's the same as doing it. I mean, after all, probably all of us have lied. I have never lied. Well, let's just rewind your life a little bit. Let's just rewind. Let's go back to single digits of your age. I know that's a long ways for some of you. And your mom said, do not eat before dinner. And you got on the stool and you crawled up there and your hand was in the cookie jar. And your mom caught you. And you said in total self-preservation mode, mom, I wasn't getting this for me. I was getting this for you. You've worked so hard on dinner. You need a treat. Okay? We've all cheated. We've all cheated. I bet we have. We've probably all stolen things. Things that didn't belong to us that we took. Well, you know, the company pays for that. What They won't miss a few pens, staplers, Xerox machines, you know? Or we've mistreated people. We probably mistreated people. Just not, 
you know, not been nice to them, not been fair to them. We've done what's best for us. We've all, I know we've all been angry. How many have been angry at one time in our life? Okay, there we go. We're all covered. Kelsey's the only one that's not agreeing to that, okay? We've all been jealous. I bet you we've all been jealous. Or unfair to somebody in our life. See, it's, those are things that are part of being human. That's when I say you were born a sinner. You had this tendency in your DNA to do wrong things. You never have to teach a child, and I've said this before, you never have to teach children to do wrong. You never have to teach them to lie. You never have to teach them to throw a fit. Whoever taught a child how to do a fit? If you've raised children, Warren and Sophia, who are just starting out on that journey, you will never have to teach little Amina how to throw a fit. She's probably already thrown one. I want to eat now. There's the first fit. And she'll get more creative as time goes on. We have to teach children how to do right, not how to do wrong. They know that. It's just, isn't that weird? That's because we have that sin nature within us. And so we need parents to kind of help us along the way, coach us in the right direction, discipline us when it's needed. So here, if we all have broken the Ten Commandments at some point, because I was just naming some of the Ten Commandments in a different way. It's not unfair for us to stand up here or talk to somebody and say, you're a sinner because you broke the ten. You broke some of the Ten Commandments. All it is, is it's not an accusation. It's just an observation. It's just an observation. We are common in that we our human nature makes us want to sin. Goes back to Adam and Eve. OK, I'll let you read that on your own time. Romans 3.23, what does it say? We know that, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God, but I like to read it from the Amplified. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version today. Okay, so Amplified Version says, Since all have sinned, and listen, and continually, if you think your sinning is done because you came to the Lord, surprise, all have sinned and continually fall short of the glory of God. This right here, that scripture, is one of the biggest struggles for those who try to share the gospel today. This is one of the biggest struggles that when I began talking to people in Kent, when we would go out and do street ministry, and we would just talk to people at Halloween, you know, the bad Halloween, you know, the other one, the one where they go out in the streets and do all that, not the family-friendly one. Or, you know, different, the different festivals, and we would talk to people. And we get a chance, you know, they'd ask us what we were about. What's the light? You know, what are you guys doing? Why are you here? And we began to talk about Jesus. Then I realized that nobody sees themselves as God sees them. Because we all see ourselves way better than we actually are. <laughs> do, you, do you catch that? We all see ourselves way better than we actually are. Because God has no filters. He clears away, you know, how good you look, how good you act. And he goes right to the heart. And he goes, it doesn't matter where they live, what kind of car they have, what year in school they are. It doesn't matter. Nobody sees them. Here's what people like to see themselves. We're all God's children. Kumbaya. Oh, yeah, we're just, you know, all of us are God's children. Well, God did create us 
and he created us all equal, okay? But we're not all God's children. Not until we come to him, all right? And as followers of Christ, here's the thing. We have the solution for people. We have the solution for this whole thing, this whole sin thing. But those far from God, they don't think there's a problem. This is the big deal. When you try to talk to people about Jesus is they don't need Jesus. Well, why do I need Jesus? Why do I need to go to church? Why do I need to ask forgiveness? I've not done anything. I don't know. Let's go to the, you know, I, I know this one guy who goes out on the street and he just starts saying, have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen anything? Well, then you're a dirty, rotten sinner, you know, because he'll get them on lying. And have you ever committed adultery? Well, no. Have you ever thought about committing adultery? Yes. Then you're an adulterer. OK, so you're a lying, thieving adulterer, you know. And he does that and people are just shocked. They're like, you know, and he says, well, this is not my law. This is God's law. And this is the problem. If you talk to people, they go, you're all you're very nice. Thank you for sharing this. But I don't need this. I've got my life figured out. It's pretty good right now. And I don't need that. I don't need that baggage of religion. You know, we just sang about being free. See, religion can encumber us. It can weigh us down if we get involved in all the entrapments of religion. But we're not talking about we're talking about forgiveness of our sin and living as forgiven people. So why do we need Jesus? Why do we need God's forgiveness? I'm okay. You're okay, right? I mean, that's the conversations I've had. You know, live and let live, dude. Okay? See, life has many twists and turns. I have news for them. It may be good today. Your life may be just on cruise control today. But I'll tell you what. I have learned something. Life has a lot of twists and turns. And God has ways to make us really see us as ourselves and help others see us too. Things happen in our life. And I have found one thing when bad things happen to me and I am searching my heart and God, you know, what's going on in my life. It's amazing how I can see my unrighteousness so much better in a bad time. When good times are going on, I gloss over all that stuff. When bad times are happening, it's like God uses that and goes, okay, while we're here and you're willing to hear me, let me show you you. And you're like, whoa, that's ugly. I don't like that. Isn't that a great thing about bad times? And I will tell you, whether you're serving God or not, you're going to have bad times. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. So life has all these twists and turns. And here's what eventually happens, I believe, is when you're in one of those down times, one of those valleys in your life, you tend to come to God at that time. You're more likely to come to him because you need something. You need help. You need a prayer answered. You need to be healed. You need an answer. You need money. You need a job. You need to get accepted into this program at school. And we come to God on the grounds of needing something. But what we really need is forgiveness. And that's why he really wants us to come to him most of all. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I know I'm just throwing these people that are, you know, I'm throwing Sophia. Quoting scriptures I don't have up there. Can't help it. All right, let's go. Speaking of scriptures, let's go to 1 John 1, 9. The Amplified Version says, If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises and will forgive our sins. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know that if we just confess, he will forgive and cleanse us continually from all righteousness, which is our wrongdoing, everything not in conformity with his will and purpose. How many are familiar with this verse in the King James or the NIV? Right. You've heard that. I quote that sometimes at, at the when we do communion. If we just confess to him, he's willing to forgive us. The reason for that is God is love. It's just real simple. God will do that because God is love. He isn't lovely, although he is. He's not about love. He's not the world's greatest lover, although he is all these things. He just is love. And he showed us through the cross. He showed us through the cross, guys. That to love us was to forgive us. Isn't that a wonderful thought? See, all you forgiven Christians, you're just like, we're numb to this. Yes, I'm forgiven. Of course I am. You realize what would happen if you weren't? It, would you, do you realize where we would be if there wasn't the cross? Do you realize where we would be today? Where your life would be? See, God is love and through him we can experience and enjoy, by the way, his forgiveness. We can. That's because he is love and he loves you and me just the way we are. God is love. Let's go to Psalm 32. This is going to be our main scripture today out of Psalm 32. Because this is David. And we've talked, you know, when we did the Bible survey thing for six, seven weeks, this is one of the things we talked about. I've talked about it before. It's one of my favorite stories where David falls in lust with his top commander's wife. He sees her. She's lounging around, laying on this rooftop. And he looks down and goes, oh, cool. Wow. Whoa. Can you get my my binoculars? You know, and he spends too much time looking down on her when she comes out. He wants to know when she comes out. I want to watch. I want to be out there, too. So he falls in lust with her and decides, you know, there's a problem here. She's going to. He visited her. Let's just put it delicately. He visited her or she visited him. And now she's going to have a baby. And now they got a problem because her husband's been out in battle. So everybody knows because they know how to tell time. And, you know, they know about calendars and how many months it takes for a baby. They know that husband wasn't here at that time. So David calls for her husband to come home. And guess what? He won't sleep with her because he's on duty. So he sleeps at the city gate. Oh, no, I won't go and enjoy my wife when all my men are out there risking their lives. Isn't that kind of funny? This would make a great movie. Oh, they have done it. And so David's like, oh, come on. What's wrong with you? So he goes, we're going to send him out to battle. And I want you to put him out on the front lines now. Put him on the front lines. And when the enemy comes to attack, you call all the people. He tells another guy, you call all the people away and leave him there alone. And then he'll be killed. So he's hoping people that will think that he came home. Laid with his wife, went out to battle, was killed, and that's why she's pregnant. So he conceals his sin, doesn't he? Does a good job. That's really, 
did a good job. He thought that one out. Whew. I'm the king. Whole thing, crisis averted. Whew. God is so great because he won't let you hide your sin. This is the wonderful thing about God. He will not let you hide your sin. So David is like, yeah, everything's cool, you know. So he marries her, you know, out of pity. Well, you know, can't leave, can't leave her alone. So he marries her and everything. But then God speaks to Nathan, the prophet, and says, hey, Nathan, do you know about your king? So Nathan goes, no kidding. So he goes and visits David and he says, God gave me this vision. It's a story. He goes, okay, tell me the story. You tell good stories. He goes, well, there's this guy who has a lot of sheep. He's got like hundreds. But he looks over and he sees this really pretty sheep over here. And he goes, I need that sheep for myself. It would just add to my collection. And this guy that's got the pretty sheep has only got a handful. And if he adds it to his group, it won't mean much. But if he takes it away from this poor guy, it's going to devastate him. Because that's all he's got. And so he gets that sheep from the poor guy. He has the power to do it. He rips that sheep from him, takes it to himself. Devastates this guy, ruins him. What do you think about that story? David goes, that guy ought to be, he ought to be smacked. He ought to be put in prison. He should be killed for doing something like that. He goes, that rich man is you. You are the one I'm talking about. David's like, he just, all the blood drains to his feet, I imagine. And he's like, God knows. And so David writes this psalm in response to that whole thing happening. Psalm 32, verse 1, Amplified Version says, Blessed, fortunate, prosperous, favored by God. Now, don't forget, David's response wasn't to deny. His response at that point was to confess and get it all out. See, we think if we are honest before God, God is not going to like us as much. How could he not like us? He loved us when we were totally away from him. When we didn't even care about him, he loved us. The Bible says that. Before we loved him, before we recognized him, he loved us. So how could he love us any less? That is a satanic lie, I'm afraid. Well, God won't like me as much, or these people might not understand. They might hate me. But listen to what he says. Blessed Fortunate, hashtag blessed Mary, fortunate, prosperous, favored by God is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. See, this verse shows us real contentment, how to get it, how to get real blessings. It can only be found in an intimate personal relationship of forgiveness with Christ. Guys, I know that we came to the cross. Most of us in this room and some of you watching, you came to Christ and you said, I want you to forgive me. I'm a sinner. Come into my heart. I'll serve you from now on. Okay, basically, we said that. All right, that's being forgiven. And we accept the forgiveness that he gave us already. I'm talking about now, as we go along and we grow in Christ, the stuff that's not right still is that we continue to be in relationship and ask forgiveness. It's necessary. I think we take that for granted, that people know that. I don't think people know that. And I think it screws a lot of us up in our mind, in our spirit. We'll talk about that. Many people 
are spiritual today, but they don't want anything to do with religion. Talk to people on the street out here in Kent. This is a perfect place to talk to people. They're all about spirituality, you know. Different kinds of spirituality, but it's, you know, they're into it. But if you start talking Jesus or you start talking religion, I find that they're trying to find happiness by find, by just going some other spiritual path. Anything but Christianity. Anything but Jesus. Because I've heard about Jesus and I've seen Jesus in these Christians and I don't want no Jesus. Now, part of the problem today is political because Christians have aligned themselves one way or the other in politics or in social things. The world now has turned that against us and they judge every one of us by the actions of a few. And they go, well, I don't want to be a part of that party. I don't want to join those kooks. Guys, that's nothing new. When the Holy Spirit began to come in the, you know, not the day of Pentecost, but I will say around the turn of the 20th century in Camp Creek, uh, North Carolina, in Azusa Street um, and other places around the world. The Holy Spirit began to baptize people and they began to speak in tongues and miraculous things were happening. You talk about people that were ridiculed. It wasn't sinners that were ridiculing them. It was other Christians. They were like, and they would burn down churches. You would get persecuted if you joined that holiness group. Woo. So today I realize that a lot of people, they don't want to align themselves with us from the outside because they go, those are those kooky people, right? Well, we are. We'll own that a little bit. But we are, yes, we're, we're kooky for Jesus. We're just kooky enough to believe that when we ask anything in prayer that he will hear and answer our prayer. We're just kooky enough to believe that if we sin, that we can ask for forgiveness and he'll forgive us our sin. We're just kooky enough to believe that one day he's coming back for us. We don't exactly, you know, we have some things in the Bible that tell us about that, but we don't know exactly when it's going to be. We think we do, but then one day we're going to spend eternity with him. I don't know how that's exactly going to happen, but I believe in it. That's pretty kooky. If that's kooky, I'm okay with that kooky. But see, people look from the outside and they go, I don't want to be a part of that thing. And I'm okay with that. But what I don't want them to look at us and say, those are the most judgmental, hateful despicable people on the planet. Now, they, you will get that anyhow just because of some political things that are out there. I can't help that. But I like the bumper sticker from the 80s. Christians aren't perfect. They're just forgiven. We're just forgiven. We are, I'm not perfect. And if you put yourself out there to be perfect or holier than thou, you are going to have a tough thing to keep up, everybody. So don't do that. Do yourself a favor and be really imperfect. Be transparent in front of people. Say, man... I totally messed up when you mess up. Okay, just own that. Christians aren't perfect, but forgiven. But I'm going to tell you, forgiveness is the only way to achieve spiritual contentment. And that's what everybody is really after. That's what they're seeking. When they go these other routes, they want to be spiritually fulfilled. They're looking for, you know, so they go these other routes, these other religions, these other things. They want that tranquility. They want that well-being that all is right and they're on the right path and they're doing the right thing. That's all they're after. So we need to live that, guys. 
And we can't live that if we're not in a relationship, intimate relationship with Jesus and being transparent before him and living in a place of forgiveness. We're not perfect. We're just forgiven. So how many Christians are forgiven, the big F that I was talking about, but they're not living in forgiveness, the small F? We came to Jesus one time, but we're not living there anymore. It was like, thank you for getting me to heaven, Jesus. No, I'm not going to hell. Sweet. Now I'm on my own, right? He said, no, no. You need the little forgiveness, the small F in your life, too. See, guilt, and the reason is, is Satan's biggest weapon is guilt. He stops Christians in their tracks with guilt. Is it hot in here or is it just me? Is it, you could turn the air up or down or whatever we got to do. I'm steaming up here. I think I've produced, you know, about a half a gallon of perspiration already. I probably shouldn't have said that. All right. But we come to Jesus and the relationship just seems to end there. And this is where guilt is used by Satan as one of his greatest weapons against Christians. And it's guilt is the major reason so many Christians live defeated lives. I could never follow. I'm quoting. I could never follow the call that's on my life until I get everything fixed. I will tell you how to get it fixed. Confess it to the Lord and let's move forward. Let him bring about the change in your life. Let the Holy Spirit, who's a powerful dynamo within us, to help us change. But when we own it and say, this is my sin, this is who I am, I can't change it, well, good luck. But we can move forward. There's no perfect people in ministry. There's no perfect people that have answered the call of God. And Satan keeps us quiet. He keeps us under that guilt. And we live defeated lives. We can't move forward for God because we don't feel worthy. We accepted God's laws. We're trying to live by them, the Ten Commandments. And I'll tell you, before Christ, before Jesus, B.C., okay, B.J., whatever, maybe... They didn't care so much, okay? But now we still sin. We're not living in sin, but we're human. Living in sin is different than just sinning. Do you understand what I'm saying? Living in sin is, I don't give a care. God, you can go fly a kite. I don't care about you. I don't even know if you exist, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe I do, but I still don't care. See you at the big party in hell one day. Yay. Okay. Or I'm a Christian. I'm trying to live the right way, but I still sin. Living in sin and sinning. Two different things. It's like the big S, the small S there. Okay. Because Paul even said, I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I need to do. Right. He said that. And we're ashamed. We live this like shameful life. I should be better than this. I'm a Christian. I can't believe I lost my temper. I can't believe, you know, this. I can't believe that. We're so ashamed and we so we conceal our sin. I can't show this to anybody. If anybody knows this about me. 
And then, see, that causes us to live in this guilt instead of that freedom that we were singing about. Guilt causes us to feel unworthy. It robs us of self-esteem. It hinders our faith, our witness, and it limits our confidence in Christ. We get tired of carrying guilt. And we begin to even doubt the power of God. God, if you're so powerful, why can't I change? Why can't I get rid of this in my life? The only permanent remedy for guilt is forgiveness. That's it. It's just so simple, but hard to do sometimes. Psalm 32 David writes of the power of forgiveness in verse 1. He says, Blessed, fortunate, prosperous, favored by God is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute wickedness and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand of displeasure was heavy upon me. My energy, vitality, strength was drained away as with the burning heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not hide my wickedness. I said, I will confess all my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. That's what David wrote after the big boo-boo in his life. After that hue, he caused, guys, he was guilty of murder at that point. He was guilty of adultery at that point. Two, two, you know, things that he couldn't afford to be guilty of. He couldn't afford people to know about. He wrote this after that, all that stuff with Bathsheba, that woman. And all David wanted to do is he wanted to cover his sin. He wanted to hide it. He wanted his moral failure to be a big secret. And Nathan the prophet came along and pulled back the curtain and said, hey, what's back here? Oh, well, I know what's back here. God told me. God sent Nathan to do what David wouldn't do on his own. You are the man. Oh, man. Can you imagine hearing that? And isn't this what we try to do? We try to dismiss. We try to cover up our sin. We try to excuse it. I think we have things we consider Christian sins. We're allowed to have them. Because they don't hurt nobody. And nobody knows about them. We can still be a Christian and have this sin in our life, right? I really believe we believe that, guys. I've believed that. If I believed, I'm sure there's at least one other person here like me that has felt like, that's no biggie. Man, God won't let that be. God will bring that up when, when you're praying. So then you quit praying. See what happens? And then God will bring it up when you're worshiping. All of a sudden, right in the middle of your worship, bong, and you're like, oh, you just messed my worship up, God. See, you can fool, remember Captain Penny? You can fool some of the people all the time and all people some of the time, but you can't fool mom. You can't fool God. You can't fool, I know, I just blew the minds of some people. They're like, what's he talking about, Captain Penny? It's not in the Bible, okay? It was on Channel 5. We might as well just confess our sin to God, everybody. I'd rather just get in the habit of, okay, than God send Sherry over and said, Sherry, Larry, I got to talk to you about something. And you're like, what? Wouldn't that be embarrassing? Wouldn't that be the worst thing? That God has to use somebody else or 
to in my life to speak to me. But he'll do it if he needs to. If that's what he needs to do, he will do. And David went from a state of rebellion, because that's what he was. He was rebelling against God to a state of repentance. Rebellion to repentance. He experienced not only the spiritual release, but he, re, he felt this physical and emotional release. We just read about that. So I'm going to close with these four words to define his sin. Transgression, sin, iniquity, and guile. Transgression means to step over a boundary. Okay? To step over a boundary, to cross a line. When you do that, it's open rebellion against the clear commands of the Lord. In other words, you break a Ten Commandment, one of those Ten Commandments, basically. You've crossed a line. That's, God said you could do anything you want to do. Just make sure you follow these ten things. And we're so, we're so incredible. Like, man, thank you, God. Wow. Cool. What was that like? You know? And he gave us all this to operate in. And that is defiance, everybody. The first time you sin, you, sometimes you know you sin. Sometimes you don't. But when you do it again, I guarantee you, you know it. That's defiance. That's defiance. Number two, the second word was sin, which means missing the what? Anybody remember that one? Missing the mark. I could almost hear you, Nancy. You got to shout. So a broken or crooked arrow that cannot fly straight. It's a defect in our character. Sin, missing the mark. And iniquity was the other word, one other word, which means something turned out of its proper course or situation. So if anything is morally distorted or perverted, and sin is distortion, everybody. Sin is distortion. Think about the things going on in our world right now. Think about child trafficking. How in the world do you ever justify that in your life? How does an adult justify that in their life? That's one of the worst things I can think of. Because of deception. I can live with this because I'm in a deception now. I'm in a deception. I don't see this as a person anymore. This is just something that makes me feel better. That's terrible. Sin is a distortion. It takes good things and turns them into bad things. It takes things God created, like sex, and turns it into something really bad, which is guile is the next word, which means deceitful. Sin is deception. It's distortion. It's deception. It's dishonest. It's deceptive. So I have good news for you on those four words. Number one, transgressions can be forgiven. That's the good word. Transgressions can be forgiven. Forgiven means to lift up and carry and send away. Isn't that what it's like when you came to the Lord? It's like he took that stuff. You said, here it is, God. And he's like, yep, keep piling it on. I got big Popeye arms. I can do this. And God just took it and carried it away. And it's like, oh, our defiance of law, of God's law, then is changed to obedience when we do that. 
We can't even obey his law till we get rid of the baggage that we bring to him. And then we talked about sin. Well, sin can be covered. See, God cannot look on sin. He can't even look at it. He's a holy God. And our sin can be covered, which means to conceal or put out of sight. See, we can't hide sin. We cannot hide sin from God's eyes, from his knowing. But what God can do is he can hide sin himself. Well, we have to give it to him. He can hide it. He's got a way to do that. And our defect is then covered. And when he looks at you, he's looking at perfection. He's not looking at all the stuff that you think about yourself or other people. He's looking at perfection. And the other word was iniquity. Our iniquity can be imputed. I couldn't, there's no other word that I can use but imputed. It's kind of a theological word, I guess. And it's talking about a debt that cannot be reckoned. It's not paid. It's not settled. Do you ever get behind in a bill? Oh, that's a bad feeling, isn't it? And they just keep sending you those, you know, bills. And even though you're not spending more money, they keep tacking on $25 every time you don't pay the bill. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, that'll get me right on it. You know, that won't make me feel depressed, will it? That won't make me feel hopeless. Thank you. $25 for nothing. But see, you agreed to pay, and now you're not. And those were the terms of the contract. So that's a debt that's not settled. Imputed, listen to this, imputed means to ascribe to or charge a person with an act or quality because of the conduct of another. My sin, my debt is imputed on Jesus. Is that crazy? That's how he takes our sin. Our sin debt is ascribed to or laid on Jesus. Guys, it's on the cross. And only he can do that. Our spiritual distortion and bankruptcy will not be held against us. Can you say hallelujah? Thank you, Jesus. And lastly, our heart is free from guile. We're free from all spiritual deception. See, that's that thing I was talking about where we justify stuff. Our heart's free from that. We know that there's no gain in that. There's nothing that we will gain from hiding. So we are free from all spiritual deception. We can be open and honest before God. Then our heart becomes clean, forgiven, honest before the Lord. And I'll tell you, three things happen when we let sin abide or we stay we let sin stay in our heart unconfessed here's what happens sin affects our will our walk and our witness it threatens our very life it weakens our ability to love it restricts our liberty and before david received and activated god's promise of forgiveness in his life he he says I suffered greatly in my body, in my mind, in my spirit. He's describing physical responses, emotional trauma, mental depression that he was experiencing because he had this on his heart. Have you ever experienced that? I remember getting in trouble in church once. 
And I got that look from mom. That look was, after church, you're going to get it. And I was like, great, great. We used to take those little communion, you know, the little in the pews. You ever see those communion holes where you put the communion cups when you're done? Well, we had rubber things in there to keep them from going clank, clank, clank. And those rubber things would come out when you're bored. We would pull those things out and we would turn them inside out. And then every now and then one would get loose somehow. And it would roll down that slanted, you know, and and we knew it had rolled all the way to the front. We'd get it afterwards, you know, but, you know, and somehow mom saw us over there carrying on and, and, and being foolish about it. And I got that look like. And I got informed right after church that when we get home, I had a whooping coming. OK, not a spanking, a whooping. And I was like, oh, man. And I'm just standing like this, man. My body was it felt sick. It felt depressed. My legs were like this. I wouldn't I wouldn't go talk to my friends. I was just like, my life is over. (laughs) And then we said, well, we're going to go to the Brown Derby and we're going to eat. So we went to the Brown Derby. We ate and I didn't enjoy it. And I was just like stuffing those rolls in there and barely able to chew. And I was just thinking of what was to come. And somehow they forgot about it. So all day long I was sick and the next day I thought it's coming and it never came. So you owe me one, okay? But that's what it's like when we carry things around. We get fatigued, we get exhausted. Listen to what he says in verse 3. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away and through my groaning all the day long. Why are you carrying this? I'm speaking to somebody today. Why are you carrying this? Christian, followers of Christ, those far from God, I don't care. Why are you carrying this? Psalm uh, 32, 4, the next verse says, For day and night your hand of displeasure was heavy on me. My energy, my vitality, strength was drained away as with the burning heat of summer. Selah. And one translation says, Intense pain developed in my heart great enough to kill me. See, we deceive ourselves, everybody. We deceive ourselves into thinking that we can live with that sin. And I'm here to tell you, you cannot. Guilt has damaging effects on our physical and mental health. And there's only one answer. The remedy is God's forgiveness. I'm speaking to everybody in the house. I'm speaking to everybody who's watching through streaming. Psalm 32, 5, the next verse says, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not hide my wickedness. I said, I will, this is David, remember that story? I will confess all my transgressions to the Lord and you, you forgave the guilt of my sin. Instant response, instant response, relief, intense rejoicing now. He goes from, wait till you get home, to, it's great. So maybe some of the sickness that you experience some of the depression that you go through. I'm not saying it is, but it could be maybe some of the weight that you feel in your life. You've done it yourself by just not having that open channel with God, that relationship. Maybe you've never come to God and asked for the big capital F forgiveness. Maybe you've not done that. So I want to give us a chance today. Let's bow our heads. Father God, 
as we pray together today, I pray that you will touch the hearts of people, myself included, all of us, God, touch our hearts. Don't let us walk around with, with, that, with that stuff in our life. We've all sinned. We've all come short of what you want us to be. Some of the sin we've committed by things we've done and some of the sin we've committed is by the things we haven't done that you've called us to. You've asked us to do and we've been in disobedience. We've avoided your call. We've avoided doing what you've told us to do. God, whatever the case may be, I pray, Lord, that people hearing this today, Lord, that they will release that to you now. Would you just do that? If you have something in your heart and in your mind, like, would you just release that to the Lord? Just release that to him right now. You can think it, you can speak it, whatever, however you want to do that. Would you just give that to the Lord? I don't want you to walk out of here the way you came in. I don't want you to turn off your uh, computer or your TV, whatever you're watching us on, and be the same way you were before you started watching this. This might be news to you. This might be something old that you needed to hear again. But Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll speak to the hearts and minds of each of us today. Don't let us think we can live the way we've been living anymore with that thing. With that stuff in our life, it's not necessary. Just release it to him in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for forgiveness. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. And, I'm, and I want you to know, salvation is not based on feelings. We know that, right? But you will get a feeling when God lifts that from your life. You will get a feeling. <laughs> there will be a sense of relief. And you'll know how David felt. Verses 1 and 2 of Psalms, he said, Count yourself blessed. How happy you must be. You get a fresh start. Your slate is wiped clean. Count yourself blessed. God holds nothing against you and you're holding nothing back from him. That's the way I want to live, isn't it? God's not holding anything back from me and I'm able to receive whatever he has for me and live this blessed life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I hope you, something about this has helped you today. We're going to, work towards what it's like to have living in forgiveness next week, living in forgiveness. Okay, so that's that's still forgiveness. That's another aspect of that that we're going to talk about. This was getting us started here. Got a couple more weeks on this. So we appreciate you being with us. If you were watching through streaming, God bless you. Um, check out our website, thelightingkent.com. We'd love to have you come and visit us. So there's directions on there, information about us. You can watch other videos. And uh, we just uh, appreciate you being with us. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. The original version of this message can be found on our website at thelightingkent.com. For more information, you can also reach out to us at info at thelightingkent.com or message us on Facebook.